0: I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around, and now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are, how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, practice owners, on this episode, you're going to hear about how Medicare payment reimbursement is now possible, even via text message. We're going to get into remote therapeutic monitoring and much, much more with today's guest, Stephen Cohen from Sarah Health. You can check them out online at sarahhealth.com. Dot io So that's www.sarahealth.io And I'm Dave Kittle, owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy in the New York City area. And the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group, we're currently speaking with practice owners about partnering or acquiring some or all of their practice. If that sounds like you, feel free to reach out. Stephen, welcome to the show. What's going on?
1: Dave, thanks for having me. We might be making your job a little bit tougher at the Fieldmaker, but uh, you know I hope you'll be able to get <laughs> over that over the course of the
0: conversation. How so? We get we can start right there. How so? Because I'm going to have Perfect. to pay more if, if there's some practices using what we're going to talk about tonight.
1: Well, I, w- I would imagine based on what we've seen, you'll see higher top line numbers and definitely healthier net income, right? And so thinking about that magical EBITDA number and the multiple you're paying on that as we've seen practices be able to increase that with the steady patient volume. So not even increasing patient volume. Obviously, that makes for more interesting discussions, not only during year-end time when uh, you, you get to help out your staff a little bit, but also when it comes down to exiting the, the business.
0: Awesome. So we'll come back to that. Give the audience a little bit of a background, little bio of yourself and Sarah Health, and then we'll kind of get into remote therapeutic monitoring, Medicare reimbursement, how practices can actually get revenue, get reimbursement without the Medicare beneficiary being in person, without doing a telehealth call with them, without going to their home. That's a little bit of a hook. Let's get a little bit of a bio and your background.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I'll keep it short on me. I'm a frustrated patient. So I've had a lot of physical therapy blown up my shoulder, ACL meniscus. And then my first job out of college was at Deloitte Consulting, which being out of Kansas City meant I was on about 150 to 200 flights a year, and then in a chair for about 16 to 18 hours a day. So uh if there was a p- prescription for musculoskeletal pain, right, that might be one of the the things to tie together. So I've always enjoyed my time in the clinic as a patient. So whether that be with, with Larry, with Hope, with Dr. Tim, like with Greg, they've been amazing care, but the lack of continuity between visits just drove me insane. And so I didn't have healthcare experience before starting Sarah Health with my co-founders. Um so one was, uh, he's a master's of data science and computer science from UCLA. The other, our head of clinical, uh, spent at the Mayo Clinic for about a decade. And so it's the the, the trio that, that started the company. And we launched about oh gosh, 2018, right? So that's when a couple others in the RTM and, and broadly, uh, some of the, that have gone the HEP route, right? Uh, launched and we had this just, Complete driving desire to do something amazing for patients and clinicians, and we just didn't think the home exercise piece was there. Was like, no, like what we're really trying to solve is the lack of continuity and the engagement in between visits. Now, back in 2018, when you could only get paid for your in-person visits, there wasn't a market for us in the fee-for-service world, which uh, you know, the vast majority of of owners are in. But some, especially these groups that were on site at high risk employers like firefighters, so we had thousands of firefighters on the platform, and it was all about engagement, right? It wasn't. Did you deliver exercises? Did you have continuing education? Did you do MIPs? Like none of that mattered. It was did people engage with your platform in any way, shape, or form? And when we had the the web application for them and you know a portal, right? It just we were getting maybe somewhere in like the 10 to 15% each day, you know, not great. And so we not having any sort of chains on us and being able to to experiment, we decided to experiment with text messages. And what we found was, if you could get someone to respond, the likelihood they would go do their exercises was extremely high. And so when we started testing this, we were inside fire departments, stations in, in particular... And we would watch the message go out and you would watch as the people like firefighters would respond to it and almost Pavlovian go and do their exercises. And we asked them like, well, why there's nothing in there about your exercise or there may not be, maybe it's an adherence question. Maybe it's not, but even for a question about pain, right? That patient reported outcome of pain, like, Oh, well, you asked me how my pain was and I had to answer like, it's a little higher than it should be. And then I went to do my exercises. And so we we I wouldn't say perfected, but you know, gosh, put thousands of patients through it, spent thousands of hours on the the, the product both clinically and not. And then when the RTM codes came out last year, we we're just like, this is what we've been doing. Like, we've been doing this and, and and I think there's a misconception that it has to be home exercises, and there is nothing in that code, that CPT code that says, you know days of data exchange of home exercises, right? It, it is just days of data exchange. So in our opinion, it's not a it's not a, a hep thing. It is an engagement code. like that's all that matters. That's what you get paid for. And so we're right place right time to to be able to, to go into it with something that's different than what else is is out there. It's not right for everybody, but for the folks that that have used it we've seen some pretty amazing stories already and and hope to make a few hundred or thousand or you know, hundred thousand more.
0: Yeah. Awesome. When you and your team were getting some of that initial feedback of the firefighters actually receiving the SMS, the the text message and then performing some of their exercises was that they were verbally or or telling you that that's was the result or you guys happen to be there on site for some of this. I just want to clarify that component.
1: So both, uh, both, uh, I guess the third is we also, you know, the, the PT group that we sold into would also tell us like, this is crazy. Like <laughs> they're getting it and then going and, and doing it. So that's, it was yeah, all three. We did some of it on site. Um, some of it was word of mouth, but a lot of it was after we left and the PTs that were on site, like they knew when the text message came in because they would just see,
0: they would see movement. Got it. So the reason why this is a little unique, and and I'm glad, like you know, you reached out on LinkedIn. I'm like, hey, I got to get you on the show because I think there's a lot of other remote therapeutic monitoring like platforms and and softwares out there where the user, the Medicare beneficiary, or the whoever is holding whatever insurance, or whoever the company is partnering with, the employer, typically, I I believe the user has to log into some portal, some dashboard, whatever. Like they have to log into an app on computer laptop, software, on their phone, whatever it might be. And Sarah Health's complete value proposition of what the patient or the client sees is just through text message, correct? Correct,
1: correct. No app download, no app download, no app download. Uh, I feel like I'd say it three times at least in in every demo and every conversation, no app download. uh, And that's, yeah, if they can receive text messages, whether it's a flip phone or an iPhone, or anything in between, it doesn't matter. Um, and that was I mean part of the the firefighter experience was we found a bit depending upon the the station, but between 12 and 15 percent of firefighters are on flip phones, or at least they were back in, in 2018, 2019. And so that was a, a big reason for us to test different low friction options was because we were we were forced to. And so, and thank goodness we were is the most blessed obstacle we got thrown at us.
0: Yeah. So can you screen share? You have something queued up for the, yep. the, an, an example of the text message. So practice owners watching or listening out there, if you were to use something like this, or you reach out to Steven and you get a demo this right here. And if you're watching, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, you'll have to jump over to the YouTube. Steven is sharing an example of a screen share of this text message. The text message says, Hey Tom, how much time do your exercises take to complete question mark? too long, too short, or just right. Reply, long, short, or right. And then, you know, the, then My there'll be other questions. questions. They'll be, they'll yep. be so that that's your favorite question and why?
1: Uh, it's our Goldilocks question, right? And it's really two data points there. Now they could lie, right? And say, oh, it's just right. And they're not doing it at all. But the likelihood that someone is going to take the effort to lie is low. So not only do you really get an adherence, kind of like bonus answer data point on this, but also the just hey does it fit that patient's life right as a patient i've been in that 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 appointment where i have not wanted to tell my physical therapist like you gave me seven exercises i'm not going to do all these there's no like there's no way i'm going to but you're so confident in it that like i'm going to listen to like almost like a barrage like okay and then i leave and, like there's no way we also get some really really cool Stories from this one, in particular, when people are traveling on vacation, have a life event, whatever, and will get too long, I'm on vacation uh perfect. can you at least do one of like just do this stretch and then you're not losing a week right as a both a clinician and a patient, you're able to at least like maintain the recovery that you've established and not potentially regress so I just sorry i love that I love this question,
0: yeah, and the second example sending to a a current patient or client in your practice. Hi, Tom. Consistency is key to making progress. Were you able to complete all your exercises today? Question mark. Reply yes or no. Now, in the pre-interview, I had asked you what happens if the patient, the Medicare beneficiary does not reply, if they do not text back. Is that still billable and Medicare will pay for it either way? Or what's the scenario here?
1: So if they don't respond for at least 16 days in a 30-day period, it is not billable. So that, that magical code that honestly our business runs on is CPT code 98977, which stipulates that the practitioner must supply a device, which in our case is a software as a medical device, and that patient has to have 16 days of data exchange. So that's not 16 responses, it's a response in 16 unique days in a 30-day period. And so that's the the rule. And that's what we run in. If people don't respond, if patients don't respond, then you can't bill for it. We also don't charge you, but we can get into our business model la- later, but that's it.
0: Got it. So in that example, if that were a Medicare beneficiary, they were applied once in 16 days, whatever the, the period. Yep. Then... Is that's how do you help the practice, or is then the practice has to then add a CBT code in their EMR? Because as far as I know, Sarah Health, you're separate from any medical record, right? So what's the juggling there? Do you coach, do you send something automated to the practice owner or the therapist? Like make sure you have you build this code for whatever this occurrence or or this this incidence of completion of the like you just they check the box of now you can build this code for RTM. How does that go
1: yeah so how it goes is once a patient is fully billable and i'll, I'll get to why that's important fully billable we generate documentation that uh, we've u- generate documentation for that patient for that pt that's copy and pasteable into typically the assessment portion of their note with the exact cpt codes that are billable so it's full documentation that's copy and pasteable We've done a medical policy review of the basically all the major insurance company, all the major payers, United, a bunch of the blues plans, Humana, Aetna, Anthem. I think it's Anthem's that's the most stringent. And uh, as you can imagine, most of the blues uh, also uh, use that as their uh, model. And so our documentation that we auto generate for clinicians meets that threshold and has, as we've seen, meets the other payers as well. So. As long as you can copy-paste, then that's it. I'll tease that a, something more uh, is, is coming that we're doing a proof of concept on right now. That would be even less intense, even a less ask, but that's uh, not quite ready yet.
0: Got it. So in that example, if that text message gets the Medicare beneficiary replies to it, your system generates that copy and paste component that then the therapist copies from your system into the EMR and the CPT code that you mentioned, approximately what is that reimbursement for that one interaction?
1: For the one interaction, I mean, technically zero for the one interaction, assuming they respond for 16 times or more in that 30-day period. And like that is, so that's the the key. So they accumulate at least 16 days of responses in that 30-day period. Uh, Medicare, the national average for that code of 98977 is $57. You're also, for that first month, you're going to be at a bill for 98975, which is an education code. So did you educate the patient on how to use the device, which for us is like text back, pretty relatively simple. And Medicare pays $19 for that. We've seen pretty, actually, we've seen that be more or less the floor outside of some Medicaid plans. So a lot of the Medicaid plans will be 10 15%. Below that, and we've seen multiple Medicaid plans like uh, Georgia, Colorado, I believe Texas, off the top of my head, Medicaid is is paying for for these codes as well. On the commercial side, we've seen everything from basically being at parity with Medicare to even for that nine eight nine seven seven, which Medicare pays fifty seven. We've seen some payers with some of our customers be at at hundred dollars plus, so they're they're paying a lot for that engagement, which makes a ton of sense when you run, and we can walk through the the ROI on it as well. We've looked into this, but as a payer, it makes complete sense, right? And and even as Medicare, I think we talked about this in a prior conversation, but why would Medicare pay for this? Like, Is this a gift to us? Because as clinicians, and and I'm not one, but as clinicians, collectively, we've been doing all this before, right? We've been staying in contact with our patients in between appointments. We've been checking in on them. We've been answering the calls, answering the text messages, answering the emails. Like, is this a gift from Medicare? I don't think so at all. Not at all. But that's a good thing. Because a gift would make me think it's a charity and charities are harder to run than a self-sustaining incentivized business, right? And so by Medicare, I'm looking at my two biggest health risks, falls and loneliness. Okay, well, if physical therapy helps people move better, they should fall less, or at least have less severe injuries from a fall. There's also, I think, it directly relates to loneliness because, I mean, if you can't leave your house comfortably, you're not going to. You're forcing people to come to you. I think social isolation. Yep, you know, that's. I don't think it's a hard logical leap to make. But let's keep with the falls, and just say it costs forty grand for Medicare for a, an injury-producing fall. If I'm I'm Medicare and I'm saying, okay, that's $40,000, let's just say that on average I'm paying $200 per patient uh, per year in remote therapeutic monitoring costs, right? So $200, well, if I think that that RTM software as well as the other incentives to promote better engagement and adherence outside the clinic will result in a better outcome and a lower fall risk, I only have to be right one out of every 200 times to say oh well I at least came out even I spent 40 grand on RTM across 200 patients and I avoided one of those falls and so now I'm I'm even if I can go 2 for 200 or 1 for 100 I'm in the money like this is this is sweet right that's a casino game you want to play all day every day so that's where we think this is not a gift the the numbers just it doesn't make sense why it would be. Uh, it's, it's, it's cold, hard, just logic of dollars, which, again, I think is actually more beneficial and, and, and gives credence to why we think these codes will be around for a while and they're,
0: they're not going away. Sure. Got it. If there's a Medicare beneficiary going to a brick and mortar office, let's say they're being seen two times a week. Will Medicare also still pay for this service and all of this during the plan of care? They don't have to be discharged or anything like that?
1: And no, in fact, the I'd say almost the opposite. Once you discharge, it's game over. So you can't bill once that active plan of care is ended and you discharge that patient, it's over. You can't bill for RTM anymore. So it's it's definitely during an active care plan. Um, what we have seen is people, is practices starting to adjust their visit cadence a little bit to where instead of it being, hey, 12 visits, six weeks, twice a week for, for six weeks, right? it's okay, we're still going to do twice a week, but for the first three weeks. And then we might move to weekly and basically like extend out once the patient gets out of that more immediate pain. And so that way they give their body, honestly, a little bit more time to actually make the more systemic changes that's going to take longer. And so that's what we've started to see is or and to hear about is some extended care plans that may or may not have the same amount of visits. And so that way, an RTM being like that buffer throughout or that, that foundational like engagement layer.
0: Got it. So that's a good distinction. I'm glad that I asked that because this is a bill. I just thought it was like during the continuum of any calendar year. So whether they have an active plan of care or not. So good that we cleared that up. So it is only during the active plan of care. What are some of those other caveats around the ability for this to occur? So that's one, that's a big one, which is once the Medicare beneficiary has a formal discharge, then this will not... You cannot be... You cannot bill them. Now, I know you mentioned in another call and another conversation that we had about maybe sending them text messages to kind of reactivate them and maybe get get them back in the clinic or something like that. But that component would not be billable. So what are some other things? And I know we're going to get to the return on investment calculator. You're going to share your screen on that. We'll get into some other things about your payment model, how much does it cost, the business model, all that. What are some of the other caveats though that would like trip up practice owners or things that they can you know hear now that kind of shortcut their success in learning about this in a in a quick way?
1: yeah, I, I think one, it doesn't have to be home exercise data. like it doesn't have to be that right It can be broadly patient reported outcomes. two that and this is more of the implementation phase, but we get this a lot where we get an angry email typically around day twenty to twenty one after we onboard a new practice. And for that CPT code 98977, it has to be 16 days of data exchange in a 30 day period. So we get like that 20, 20 day, like, Hey, you haven't given me my documentation yet. It's like, we can't bill it yet. <laughs> like 30 days has to elapse and then we'll, we'll give it to you. So, so that I got, you know, for being honest, uh, be ready for just some denials and some claims management as these payers are still you know, getting their systems in place to be able to handle it. Uh, so, you know, we have we've we've seen issues and helps of our clients um where they've um uh you know they've they've gotten it denied because it was an incorrect provider and we've had to go help them like with an appeal. Like, no, it is it is absolutely correct. Like it's a physical therapist, it's a qualified healthcare provider. Um so that uh we've had some insurance companies that we've had to help our clients go back and say This does not count as a visit. This is not a visit. Like, this should not count it towards the the visit cap. And so, I think it would be disingenuous of me to say it's all hunky dory. Everything just works. And, right, uh, it it would be BBS. So, it's going to happen. Your EMR is almost assuredly going to have the capability to do this. Uh, They're going to, or they can add in the CPT codes, especially at this point. So, that shouldn't be a concern. Those are some of the the trip ups, then uh, trip ups on the more like the mechanics of it, then you know, as a practice owner, be ready to spend some social or leadership capital in, in doing this or, you know, create an incentive structure. And we have some ideas on that, what we've seen work well and not well, but and also like where you like, where you meet, right? If uh, you don't compensate versus you do and, and how to, to think about all that math. But I, I think it's it's looking... We, uh, we, ha- we have a, a bit of a playbook for, for practice owners, right? And how to handle the objections, how to think about the rollout. It's as much of a people thing as it is a technology or, or insurance or, or anything else. So those are a, a few of the, I guess, the, the watchouts and you know, some things I'd advise private uh, practice
0: owners on as they embark on this, this journey. Got it. One more thing before we jump into the ROI, the return on investment calculator. With the text message that you showed on the screen, across the normal other industries and niches. Like, for example, my dentist uses that for confirming appointments, right? So you got to text back the letter C or the letter Y for yes. or I mean, or just like, yes, or or something like C. Like I think two to a couple of different dentists have used something like that with me in, in, in Brooklyn. Yep. In that case, it's like, I make, yes, I'm confirming a visit, but I don't have to do anything physical. We all know that there's a huge problem with people actually being compliant and adherent to their home exercise program. It's great that you already have some preliminary data that it actually moves people to do this. And I guess at the end of the day, you don't fully know all these practices, all the patients and all these practices that you guys work with. You don't really know if the person actually moved or did any exercise at all. It's really about them replying. So there is some engagement even if they're texting back, they could be lying, like you said. They could be just replying just to get it over with. But I guess some of this around this whole offering is like, if someone's going to reply, then it's almost like there's some influence there that they might actually take action that day, the next day, in the general time to actually do their home exercise program and or make sure that they don't cancel or no-show their visits and actually complete their plan of care to get the results that they're looking for at their physical therapy office or the local practice if they're coming to them. So there's really no proof that the person actually moves or does their exercises, but there is that, right. Or your, your, your you're face. So right? you're, you don't have yes any wearable. No. You don't yes, have any wearable. Yes.
1: True. True. i say the reason I say yes and no is, and this is self-reported as well, but right now our patients report, uh, basically a 65% home exercise adherence rate based on, again, they could be lying. Now, we have, know, been small... like
0: across the U.S., everyone's—you know—no one says that they're overweight. Like, come on. Yeah,
1: fair, <laughs> fair. So, what we've seen in the the data in terms of photo scores, and so we've done analysis with, and it's a, it's small right now, so it's less than 100 patients at one practice, looking at basically non-Sara and Sara patients. And what we've seen is that the patients on Sara are typically getting to the same—you
0: know—outcome
1: trajectory within fewer visits.
0: So. So that, that and that's what really matters, as opposed to do they do every rep of every exercise every day for their yep. ex- home exercise program,
1: and so that's what we're seeing. That would like okay, well, if, if the only difference is Sarah in that population at, at a high level, right? And again, we'll we'll have to do a bigger one, but if that's really like the only difference, then they must be doing something, or is it simply they just. Feel more connected with their therapist and they feel like there's more value in the therapy that they're receiving. And like that is causing them to some other life. Sh- I, there's all sorts of stuff there, right? But yeah, to your point, at the end of the day, hey, if my photo scores are going from X to Y in fewer visits with Sarah than without it, maybe I don't know exactly what it is, but I want to play this game.
0: And payers will potentially, I mean, they're going to care more about the photo scores, not you know, can do all these patients have a wearable, we we're able to see like an increase in, you know, heart rate that they were actually more likely to be performing their home exercise program. And they're, you know, at certain times with an increase of in heart rate during that time. I mean, that's like, that would be like the insane, I don't know, uh, follow through on the actual exercise, but it's really about the holistic 30,000 foot view of like their photo scores and reaching the results and, and improving outcomes. That's it. Got it. Okay. So let's uh, go ahead and share the screen. Let's look at the return on investment calculator. I know you showed it to me briefly. I don't really, I saw some graphics and charts. Again, if you're watching on iTunes or Spotify, jump over to the YouTube Dave Kittle show on YouTube. And we're going to look at some data, especially if you're a practice owner. These are the types of things that will hopefully move the needle for you.
1: And so what we've got here is our just our typical setup. So, um, and maybe the Medicare is a little high for this one. So you do 40. 40- and do 60 here. And so 10 clinician practice that's doing about, call like like uh, six evals a week per clinician, no timed code. So I, we I, we haven't even gotten into the CPT codes, 9980, 9981. We don't show that in our ROI model because that's on practices to do. And we only show things that we do. Uh, and And that's... Our thought process, a little bit novel. I think a lot of people depend on the, RO or the time codes. I don't touch it. I think it's disingenuous because you're asked for workflow changes, all sorts of other stuff. Anyway, the yeah, so that for 10 clinicians doing about six evals a week. And then what you're looking at for that practice is a, another $280,000 to the top line. But what's probably even more exciting for them is is dollars to the, the bottom line. And that's after paying their therapist more. So I, we kind of tease or kind of teased a little bit of what some compensation structures look like that we've seen in our practices. So we've seen everything from no compensation addition to, I'd say, at the farthest end is you know the, the pure RBU eat what you kill models, right, where they just make extra units on this as they they bill it and. One thing we found to be simple and, and, and seen some, some good success and like people grasp it really easily is a ten dollar per billable patient per month bonus for the therapist. So therapist, you get your patients to engage, I'll give you 10 bucks per month that they engage. Simple, it's trackable, like super, super easy. And so that has seemed to resonate really, really well with folks. And then our business model and yeah don't really care who else is watching this. We charge $15 per billable patient per month, which means in that example, where that person never responded, guess what? As a practice owner, you're not going to pay for that. Because that puts us with a heavy incentive to figure out why. And if that's our business, it should be us figuring it out, not you, the practice owner. So that's our business model. That's it. Not a lot of bells and whistles on it. But we prefer to keep everything simple as possible.
0: Got it. so on uh, and, and maybe we can come back to it or you can answer it later, but I've heard that maybe some owners have considered having an one of their therapists engage with RTM as opposed to adding this as like an offering, and you know, I don't know some therapists i don't maybe don't really care about an extra ten bucks here or there. Maybe that doesn't really if it's potentially more work. I don't know, like, is it more work for th- so the therapist that you gave the example of like an extra 10 bucks for, for this, what would they be doing? Or what are, what are the, some, some of the things more of like, is it the, that initial setup? Because I, I think as far as I understand, all of the rest of the text messages being sent to the Medicare beneficiary or the patient is coming automatically daily from your platform and the yep. therapists are not sending those, right? Right. So the one example of a therapist being compensated with some bonus per completion of a task? like Is that more of like the initial setup of getting the patient onto this platform, like getting them onto this idea to engage with?
1: So for that, it's definitely when they become billable for that first month. But the ask is pretty light on the therapist, like onboard patient and review messages as needed. So we we have an automatic system that classifies messages into standard or non-standard responses. And if anything is non-standard, we alert the therapist, hey, there's something that you need to look at. We don't intervene on your behalf, but we're looking for the outliers, right, on that. And so they might have to check a few messages over the course of a month. Now, what we have seen therapists do and what we hear a lot of is they'll either at the start of the day or right before a visit, they'll go into Sarah. And then look at all the responses and all the questions because that is exactly how they were going to start the subjective portion of their, their visit. And so instead of asking, hey, Dave, like how was your pain yesterday? Were you able to get outside on, on Monday? Did you able to do your exercises on Tuesday? They have all that data. And so they're actually able to get out from their screen quicker and their patient is having a better experience. So Depend upon whether it's a more extrinsically motivated, intrinsically motivated person. Different, va- like, and it's it's part of our our playbook for practice owners, and like how to handle objections and also how to to pitch this to those two different camps of of people. And and so that's how we see again, dependent upon the clinician. But ten bucks can add up if you're doing forty patients, billable patients per month, right? An extra four hundred dollars a month, extra five grand a year. That's nothing nothing to, to sniff at, but to come back to your original question about, hey, maybe we should just have someone doing RTM, we've seen a couple practices do that in particular with uh, people coming back from maternity or paternity leave that want to spend a little bit of extra time either at home, typically at home and saying, hey, we can make that work. Let's do these three days. You'll, t- you'll do 8 to 11 at home and then come in at at noon or after the lunch break. And what they're going to go after is the timed codes. So we haven't really talked about that much, but if you start saying, "Okay, well, if on average per clinician, I'm going to be doing five five patients per month, I'll do a time code." Well, then that that starts to jump it pretty well. It's like you know what? I actually think I'm going to do half my patients. I'll get at least one of these twenty minute thresholds in, especially if I have another PT that that's their job. Well, then you're almost doubling your top line and doing some major increases to your bottom line as well. So the time codes can be really, really effective, whether you have it as just part of the, the normal, whether you have all your clinicians engaging in a, in a platform with their, their current panel, or if you have someone kind of off to the side, as we call them in a couple of the practices that have them like headquarters, RTM, basically headquarters PTs. So we've seen it, we seem to be successful. And in particular, when a clinician needs flexibility, you could not ask for a better opportunity because telehealth can be hard. It can be really hard getting that patient onto a a video call for a certain amount of time. right? That, That can be really difficult. Now, having it to where as a clinician, I can be at home, I can do data review and then call patients and to be able to get that synchronous interaction. Well, that's low friction. It's also pretty high value to the patient. And it it's, gives you a ton of flexibility as a practice owner to not lose some of those folks who
0: who they might. Got it. What is this that you're highlighting here? Uh, commercial multiplier 1.40. What is that?
1: So to get to what we see at some practices. So as I said, some practices have like $100 for that engagement code. So it's just based off of how much more they get paid than their Medicare rates, right? So if Medicare pays Fifty-seven dollars, and then co- their commercial plan pays a hundred. That could be like a one point eight. Let's just get an idea of what
0: their commercial pays better than than Medicare. Got it. With the clients and customers that you guys have at Sarah Health, what percentage have? Which percentage have a one or more individuals that like that? They are like the headquarter PT or clinician who, or the, the RTM focused clinician as opposed to what percentage of your clients where they are having all of their... Every single therapist do this. Is I'd there a like, delineation there?
1: Yeah, right around 10% is doing the headquarters PT model with 90% doing the everyone uh, you know, acts, as their, acts on their own. So it's definitely the, the minority. Yeah, definitely the minority are doing the, the headquarters PT model.
0: Got it. And have you heard from any of your practice owner, customers of some of their staff members revolting or any pushback on any of this, that this is extra work for them. Even if you're going to say, well, there's extra ways to be incentivized and have bonuses. That's all great. And again, if the downstream photo scores for the Medicare beneficiary or the patient improve, like awesome. But what about pushback and resistance from any staff therapists or clinicians?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, gosh, it would be an absolute lie to be like, no, everyone's going to love this immediately. <laughs> and, and all your problems will be solved. Uh, there's there's absolutely pushback. And we actually love hearing it because it, it helps drive our roadmap for the future. So I know that one thing that we've recently unveiled with a, a few practices will be rolling out broadly. One big piece of, of feedback was, hey, I, I got to go to this other screen to be able to use Sarah. And it's really annoying to do so. And so now we have a Google Chrome extension that basically puts a widget on the side of any web-based EMR. So if you're on WebPT, you can actually have it right there, extend it out, use Sarah, put it back in, and never leave WebPT screen. Same with RainTree, um, and we're adding other we're adding the other EMRs um, as as quickly as we we can. So that's one thing. One was the documentation, where people were scared of the documentation. And so now that they have something completely copy and pasteable, that's driven a lot of, of anxiety out of it. Then the the last piece that we you know, have gotten pushback on and, and that we've we've also been able to address is specificity to the patients. And so we have, I think, 45 unique clinical pathways. We call them flows. So that's everything from a patient who is getting treated for an orthopedic type injury uh, by a manual therapy focused clinician versus exercise focused clinician, uh, lymphedema, stroke, uh, Parkinson's, neuro broadly. Um, There's a bunch that I'm I'm missing. Our our head of clinical takes care of of all that. And thank goodness he does. Um, And we have the ability to create custom flows for providers with only about 30 minutes of their time. So that was what another big pushback. It's like, ah, this doesn't really fit my patients. Perfect. What data points do you want? And wait, that's it. Just tell us what data points you want and a your, your little bit of your practice setting. And then a week later, we'll have you up and running with a new flow because um, we spent six years getting really, really good at writing these questions. And so it's, it's part of the, the secret sauce of, of why we're able to move so fast.
0: Excellent, anything else to uh either briefly just screen share or anything that we maybe skipped over or haven't covered that would be kind of like the you know the big pressing questions for practice owners that you guys get with like demos and and all that I think we've covered a lot of it this
1: is some of the you know, initial data that that we're seeing from the 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 small scale study that that we're doing now of course happy to to change all the assumptions based on specific practices but Running through with those assumptions and what we're seeing in terms of a decrease in visits uh, with the same functional outcome, that could scare a lot of practice owners. Be like, oh man, I'm going to drop, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to drop my visit revenue by 30%. Like that, that's scary. That's extremely scary. And I think that'd be fair. But there'd be two things to be forgetting about. One is margin. So, RTM margin is just healthier than visit margin, right? Which comes as probably no surprise because you're having technology do the work for you. It's augmenting your clinician. It doesn't require you know, their direct time, all those things, right? So that's one. But two is, is access. So if now I only need eight visits to get Mrs. Smith better, it's going to be that much easier to schedule another patient. And the visits that typically Mrs. Smith would have occupied over the course of of that course of treatment, right? And how we're seeing some practices be able to take advantage of this is they're going back to their referral partners. So back to their primary care physicians and saying, hey, PT with us doesn't have to eat. That doesn't equal 12 visits in six weeks anymore. We can do really cool things like eval directly into remote monitoring. For for your patients. And then the last question, okay, will you send us more patients now? And so many primary care physicians think in that same box, right? Of like oh, PT equals 12 visits in six weeks. And I know that, you know, Mr. Smith is budget conscious and doesn't want to drive a lot. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to give him some ibuprofen and hope his back pain goes away, right? Now, like, oh, wait, so as a practice, you can flex to the needs of the patient and be able to use technology as well to keep total cost of care down, but improve, but oh, get get someone better. Oh, that's fantastic. Like, of course, I'll send my low to mid acuity patients to you. And, and so, you know, right now that that's anecdotal, but the logic I think will bear out, um, and, and, and at scale and these practices are actually going to need to have more access, um, you know, I don't know what it's like for you to get a if you tried to get a PT appointment yourself, but it's it's not always the easiest thing, um, and it's not as bad as, as some other positions. But it uh, more access I, I think is is good overall for for both for all parties involved.
0: Yeah, and thank you for bringing that up because I know that you and I discussed that that some owners uh, once they learn more about this that they might be hesitant that there's some you know cannibalistic uh, experience here where you're losing out on your core service, which is the in-person visit. But I like your reminder that the remote therapeutic monitoring margins are better than in-person margins, which is very interesting. And then it potentially could open up the practice to... Let's say they were great at marketing. They were doing a lot of social media marketing or on YouTube, whatever it might be, doing videos or, or whatever it might be in terms of generating interest across their state could they have Medicare beneficiaries that maybe the eval was done via telehealth and then the rest was over remote therapeutic monitoring, using your service, like never came in contact with them. It's some other in, a beneficiary in the state. Is that even possible or no?
1: I don't think we've had a practice do that. And I don't know the exact answer to that, but I don't see why not. If it's a, whether it's a telehealth eval or an in-person eval, it's still an eval that starts, it kicks off a plan of care, right? So then you have an active plan of care. I don't even think it matters if the Medicare beneficiary is in the state, same state or not after that, because we looked into it for a practice of ours that granted they're seeing patients at the start uh, in person, but it's a lot of snowbirds throughout New Mexico. They partner with a famous ortho, come in for their total knee, right? Spend a month and bounce out. Uh, back to the East Coast. Um, and that practice in particular was like, well, oh my gosh, we were doing the phone calls, the emails, the text messages, the Zoom calls even with these patients because we wanted to you know, deliver this really high grade, amazing experience. And now they can get paid for it. And they were expecting some pushback from patients, but lo and behold, there was none. Well... A lot of people don't like getting something for nothing. Like it just doesn't feel right, especially when you're in a clinic. You're seeing someone treat, even if it's just one on one. But if it's not, you see someone running around treating three or four people. Like, just you know, all these things as a patient. Like we pick up on more than we might get credit for. And so the idea that I would ask for someone's time without having some way to to pay for it, like it's just it's it's dis it makes feel disgusting. So knowing that there is a reimbursement pathway and like, oh, okay, you'll get paid for this. Fantastic. Well, then I don't feel as bad calling you to ask about something because I know it's not just you donating it to me out of the goodness of your
0: heart. Got it. Steven, this was awesome. Really appreciate your time. You guys can check out Sarah Health, What other place, whether it's LinkedIn, email address, any other place for the audience to check out, your company, the offering, connect with you further?
1: Yeah, LinkedIn. So I, I'm posting at least once a week on there, especially what I hear from other owners, um, and whether they're current customers or potential ones. So trying to give everybody access to the you know 10, 15 to, to 20 uh, folks we're talking to, I'm talking to on any given week. And so, yeah, LinkedIn is is great. And then on our website, uh, I showed you that, that ROI model. You can actually do it yourself. So we have uh, up to the top right. I believe it's the revenue calculator. You press on that. You can run your own numbers. And if it's something you want to talk more about, you can book a demo directly with us right afterwards, right down from there. So again, try to make it as simple as possible. There's enough on practice owners and providers plates as, as is today. Um, and, and we hope to, to not be, uh, at least to, to make it simple if, if they're gonna add something.
0: Right, awesome. Well, if you find this interesting and valuable and helpful, go ahead and subscribe to The Dave Kittle Show on YouTube as well as iTunes or Spotify. We'll catch you next time here on the show. Steven, thanks a lot. Thank you, Dave. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at Dave at ConciergePainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C O N C I E R G E painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646 781 8884